Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's been published in Forbes and the Hartford Business Journal. He's the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sunlin, also in Boston on WCBB Channel 5. He's the author of eight of his own books, including most famously... The money map. Joel, always a pleasure. We have some tax talk coming today. A lot of good things to cover. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited about the show today. We are going to be talking about taxes. We're going to be talking about some of the things that are being floated out there uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, I think we should also, John, get into uh, what we see happening in some of the states. Um, there's an amazing competition right now and people moving to different states based on a couple things. And so I think uh, we should talk about that also. So before we jump into all that, I'll give you our quote of the week this week. It's actually an African proverb, which says, tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. So simple, yet so true. So true, especially when it comes to money. We've got to make some plans today to have a good tomorrow. And there's a balance here, right? I mean, some people are so focused on the future that they don't enjoy the present. But when it comes to setting yourself up properly for retirement, for college savings, for future goals, for maybe saving up for that special vacation, um, it is important to plan today, to take actions today. Whatever you are, wherever you are a year from now, will probably have to do with the activities you're participating in and the things that you're doing, the behaviors that you're doing this week, this month. So very important, make investments for the future. Very well said. All right, so we said we'd talk about uh, Biden's tax proposals. The first thing to clarify is that at this point, this is just proposals. None of this is law yet. There's what he can propose, and there's what can actually get through Congress. So keep that in mind. This and John, I, I think it's I think it's important that we just talk about that for a moment because some of these proposals are so. Um, I don't know if drastic is the right word, but I guess that's the, the word I'll use, are so drastic, I've got to believe that this is sort of a, uh, a shot that's being fired across the bow to bring um, some kind of compromise into the system. I mean, you, just as an example, you know, if somebody says they want to sell something for $100 to me, um, they might never expect to get $100. They might expect to get 50 or $60, but that's the beginning of the negotiation process. And I, I've got to believe that some of this is is that because um, I would be shocked if some of the more moderate Democrats will go along, especially people like Joe Manchin of West Virginia would, would go along with some of these proposals that are out there. Which is interesting. If that's the case, that's interesting because <laughs> that's almost a very Trump-like approach of I'm going to say something extreme to start out so that we can negotiate our way back to what I wanted in the first place. Yeah, hit it with a sledgehammer and, and uh, you know, let's come back to the middle, except the way Trump did it, it was very erratic and, you know, Biden might be doing it just being very shrewd. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the different things to be aware of here. So the first thing to discuss in his proposal is the top individual tax rate increasing from 37% to just under 40%. So a 3% increase there. Not going to affect a huge swath of the population, but for the part of the population that does affect, that is a pretty big increase. Yeah, it's it's a little less than a 10% increase, right? From 37 to 39.6. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, it's there. I mean, it's an increase. And when you look at the people that would be paying that increase, yes, they are some of the highest earners in the population. But at the same time, you know, you get into a situation where, you know, how much how much is enough for for the government to take to support itself? I mean, that's kind of what we get into. We can get into all the details of, you know, who's paying what and whether the um, higher income earners are paying the, the majority of a tax increase and so on and so forth. But I think to get the big picture here, what is what do, where do we want to be as a country um, and what is appropriate? You know, do we want to be in the place where we say that somebody that makes a pile of money, whether that's a million dollars a year or five million dollars a year, should pay half of their income, half of their marginal bracket back to the United States government? I mean, I'm not saying yes or no. It's just that's what we have to decide. And, um, and so, again, that's a minor increase. Um, 37 to 39.6 is what 2.6 percent into 37 so maybe that's seven or eight percent uh, it's not huge um, but again I think that the conversation sort of gets lost in all this this class envy thing and I think it should be more about you know what is what do we want as a country you know how much do we want to be financing the federal government and people say well how are you gonna pay for a program or well, what about cutting things no, you know, I'm, a, that, I'm a company. That, that's I, not a thing that politicians do. They don't. It's cut not, things. and it's a shame. Um, but you know, I run a company. We have 40 employees. If we want to uh, add something to the budget, the first thing we do is find out where we can take something out so it's neutral. And um, you know, we we kind of forget that this whole idea of the stimulus checks that are going out. I mean, people are expecting them now, and were they needed? Yeah, some people needed them. A lot of people did not need those checks. And so uh, it's just it's interesting. Um, and I don't want to be one of these people that, you know, is Debbie Downer or Doug Downer that says, hey, you know, things just aren't what they used to be and so on. I think we get into a philosophical discussion and we need to decide what philosophy do we want in this country? And does it make sense to have anyone paying 50 percent of their income to the federal government for taxes? Certainly a philosophical discussion indeed. Needs to be had. Um, all right, how about this? The proposed corporate tax rate would increase from 21% to 28%. How might that affect things? Now, you yourself are not an advisor to corporations. You're an advisor to individuals. So how do you uh, help them navigate you know, their own investments in light of that potential corporate tax increase? Well, a couple of things. So uh, first of all, let's talk about math. I mean, here, here's where you get into funny math. So a 21%, going from 21% corporate tax to 28%, corporate tax, people would say, well, that's a 7% increase. No, it's not. That's a 33% increase. Seven points divided into 21, seven divided into 21 is three. So that is a 33% increase. So this is a huge increase. Was it a big tax cut under the Trump administration? Yes. But, you know, again, we get into this philosophy of where do you want the dollar to be? Do you want it to be with a company or do you want it to go down to Washington, D.C.? And so this gets into your philosophy of, of where you want our country to be. Um, there isn't a lot that I would advise clients to change when it comes to this um you know, what would their behavior be around a corporate tax increase? Um, but there are only a few things that a corporate corporations can do with a dollar. You know, this is that you get into this whole thing of all oh, these greedy corporations. Well, if you think about it, if you're a company and you have an extra dollar, especially a public company, that many of us that have 401ks are invested in these companies. So we are owners of some of these companies. So let's say that company gets an extra dollar that it wouldn't send to Washington, D.C. There's only a few things it can do with the dollar. It can keep it 
but that increases the book value of the company, the net equity of the company increases. Therefore, if they keep it, those of us that have 401ks that are probably invested in some of these big companies, we just increased our wealth because the bottom line is the book value of the company increased. They could pay it out as a dividend. Well, guess what? They're paying it out to the shareholders, to the owner of the company. So that's not a bad thing either. And that means it goes back into the economy. Again, would you rather have a private business put money back into the economy or would you rather have Washington, D.C. put money into the economy or where they deem fit? And then the third thing or the third of many of the things that they could do is they could hire employees, buy plants and equipment, invest for the long term and so on. So again, that benefits the economy. So, you know, the three things that we just talked about, increasing book value, paying money out in a dividend um, or investing in employees, whether that's through increased salaries or building plants and so on, all of those things benefit the large group of people that we call the U.S. citizens. They don't take away from those folks. So again, this is a philosophical thing. So going on and on about this, John, but you know, the bottom line is, you know, again, you're going to take 33% of earnings of a company and uh, are you going to increase their taxes by 33%? Where do we want that money to be? Do we want it to be in the hands of private business or do we want it to be in Washington, D.C.? Pretty important to understand how that all works, and I'm glad you broke it down that way. I don't think a lot of people think of it in those terms. It feels like, well, if we're taxing a corporation, you know, we are taxing people that it doesn't affect or doesn't hurt. But, yeah, uh, I mean, there, there's not a vacuum. That's what irritates me about these politicians. There's not a, like this whole thing about they should they the, the the pharmaceutical companies that develop the vaccine should not have patent protection. The vaccine wouldn't exist. If they didn't have patent protection, if it wasn't for a capitalist system, that vaccine would not exist. And so you've got somebody down there that's trying to create this class envy situation just to stir up a bunch of political, you know, buying votes, basically, buying votes with rhetoric or buying votes with stimulus checks. And and you get somebody that says, well, they shouldn't have patent protection on the vaccine. That's fine if that's the tack you want to take. But guess what? Nobody's going to develop the next vaccine. So, you know, again, I think we're very, we have a population, not everyone, probably not a lot of people listening to this broadcast, but we have a, a, a big percentage of the population that is ignorant, and I say that in a, in, a, in a respectful way, but that is ignorant to how money actually works, to how free enterprise works, to how free markets work. All right. So the next thing on the list here that we should discuss about the Biden tax proposal, again, we're going through some of the things that Joe Biden's tax plan has laid out. This is not law yet. This is what is being proposed to Congress. So the top capital gains rate would almost double, Joel, from 20% to 39.6%. Now that, without you even having to explain it, sounds huge to me. Yeah. Well, 20% to 39.6, that is almost a hundred percent increase. And so Really? I mean, you might not be, I might not be in the area of, of income folks that would be getting hit with this. This is only going to hit, uh, according to the proposal, um, people that earn over $400,000 a year. But again, you know, if you take top federal rate of 39.6 on capital gains, you're going to have to pay the, or some people call it the Obamacare tax or the Affordable Health Care Additional Medicare tax on that. So that brings it up another 3.8%. So now we're at what are we at? 43, 44 point, whatever, 44 and a half. Mm -hmm. And then you add Massachusetts or Connecticut state income tax in there. You're at 50%. Is that even morally right? And so, um, and in addition to that, once again, 
sending a dollar down to Washington, D.C. instead of leaving it in the hands of a private individual that will probably spend that money on something. If nothing else, if they won't spend that money, they'll have that money in investments. And guess what, folks? When rich people buy stocks, it makes poor people's stocks go up too. And so, again, I, you know, you can tell where I'm coming down on this. Uh, and again, I do not believe that the administration expects all these things to go through. I think there will be some negotiation. There will probably be some movement. But I think things will end up, you know, there's a lot of people screaming this is going to be the end of the world. I think there will be end up being a compromise on, on many of these things. And some of them just won't go through at all. All right. Last thing we'll talk about on the tax plan here is the elimination of stepped up basis at death. I think if you just say those words, stepped up basis at death, most of the population doesn't have a clue what that means, but a lot of people have experienced it. And once you explain it here in a second, they'll say, oh, wait, yeah, I did benefit from that. And then say, wait, that might go away. Yeah, this is something that I do not think will get anywhere. Man, I hope it doesn't get anywhere. So here, here's what this means. So let's pretend your parents owned a house and they bought that house for $50,000 and they owned it for 30, 40, 50 years. And now that house is worth 550000 So they bought it for fifty. Now it's worth five fifty. If they sell that house, now forget about the real estate exemption and all that. Just pre- maybe pretend it's their second house. But if they sell that house, there's a five hundred thousand dollar profit that they have to pay capital gains tax on. Right? They bought it for fifty. They sell it for five fifty. There's a five hundred thousand dollar profit. If they pass that house to you at death, your cost basis. Remember, their cost basis was fifty thousand. Your cost basis becomes the value on the date of death. Your cost basis gets reset at 550000 If you sell it the next day for 550000 you pay no taxes because there is no profit. That's a big, big deal. This is not a rich person's tax that they're talking about here. This hits everybody. This hits people that, you know, granddad left them you know, a a few shares of United Technologies or Raytheon um, or General Electric or whatever, and it was supposed to be, you know, where the kids or the grandkids inherited the $100,000 worth of stock tax-free, and now all of a sudden it's going to get taxed. And so this is a really bad idea, and again, it's this this philosophy where politicians are just trying to stir up this class envy, you know, the rich are evil, corporations are bad, and so on, which I just think is just a terrible philosophy. And I think they're very dishonest because I don't think they believe it, a lot of them. The biggest thing to understand about these potential changes in the tax code is that they could very well happen uh, toward the end of this year and be in place for 2022 and beyond. So uh, it's not the kind of thing where you want to wait until these changes get made and then have to scramble to adjust your portfolio and your financial plan accordingly. You need to go ahead and get that money map retirement review in place. And once you have the framework in place, it's going to be easier to make those adjustments once these changes, whatever they end up being, once these changes take place. So, Joel, how do we get that framework in place? Well, John, I'm glad you brought this up because this is a big focus. For the rest of the year, there is a focus on taxes here at our firm, and you ought to be focused on taxes. If these changes go through, there is a possibility they will not go through until next year. This is the year to analyze your tax situation, not just today, not just today's situation, but what are the taxes you're going to pay over your lifetime? Because usually there can be a huge reduction of the taxes you're going to pay over a lifetime by making some changes now under a tax structure that is probably almost certainly going to change. We don't know exactly what the final bill is going to look like, but it is almost certainly going to change. So now is the time 
Get your Money Map Retirement Review. Come in and sit down with us. Let's focus on those taxes. You know, let's look at where you are as far as future retirement income, where you're going to be spending your money from. Uh, maybe if there's money you want to leave behind, can you do that in the most tax efficient way? But you need to lower your lifetime tax liability, not just this year, but your lifetime tax liability. So give us a call. Come in. Let's talk about that. No obligation at all. 1-800-705-1232. That's 1-800-705-1232. Come on in. Sit down, have a cup of coffee with us. If you want to do a Zoom meeting, we can do that. But we want to go through your tax situation, and let's make sure you're not paying more than you need to in taxes. So give us a call. Let's set up a time. Our folks don't work on the weekends, so, um, you know, call in, leave a message. We'll call you back on Monday, and we'll set up a time to get together. But again, there's no obligation. There's no pressure. We want to help you save taxes. As a listener of this radio program, you deserve to be in control of your taxes and your retirement. Don't leave that control to anybody else. Take control yourself. Well, again, that number to call if you'd like to get that Money Map Retirement Review for yourself is 800-705-1232. You can call or you can text that number if that's easier for you. If you text, just leave your first and last name. We'll get back in touch with you that way and find a time for you to get your very own Money Map Retirement Review. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner, and he's the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, uh, we'll open up the mailbag in just a moment here, but you mentioned wanting to talk about sort of migration between states, people moving to different states for different reasons. What are some of the trends that you're seeing there that you think are important? Well, there's always been this trend to move to lower tax states. Uh, when somebody retires, they tend to look around and look at, you know, what, what, what's the taxation environment? You know, you've got these massive migration from California to Texas right now, um, which is kind of ironic because a lot of the... <laughs> A lot of the problems in California are because of the way people voted, and now they're moving to Texas because they don't like what they got. Um, but, uh, you know, they're moving to Texas. Texas has lower taxes. Texas is not a hick, despite what, you know, those of us that are east of the Hudson River, some of us like to think once in a while, they're not a bunch of hicks in Texas. Very progressive, very advanced, huge tech industry, unbelievable world-class medical system. Um, and, and so a lot of people are moving to Texas. People are moving to Florida. They're moving for taxes. They're moving for lifestyle. Or look, they're moving for cost of living. Um, many people stay where they've uh, lived for many years because that's where the kids and the grandkids are. But, you know, with this tax bill, with this tax proposal, uh, it just emphasizes and it sort of, you know, pokes the bear when people start looking at their total tax picture and they start looking at the taxes in their state. Uh, I'm so glad in Connecticut, Governor Lamont said, you know, we want to make some changes, but we don't want to raise taxes. Um, that's that's good news. That is good news. And um, I don't know what our governor in Massachusetts is saying right now, uh, but, you know, these governors, at least Massachusetts, Connecticut, up here in the Northeast, understand the importance of keeping a population here. You know, you raise taxes from, let's say, you know, income taxes, 6%, you raise it to 7%. Who's going to move? The people that can afford to move, the higher income people are the ones that are going to move. And so you can really be hurting the people you're trying to help, the lower income and the people that have some needs. Um, by by changing taxes. So it's a big thing we're seeing right now and states are competing. And then with COVID, we've seen this drastic difference in the government philosophies between one state to another. And despite what 
you feel like when I say that, you know, some of you think, oh, the state doesn't know what they're doing or these people are crazy, you know, they never locked down or or we shouldn't have locked down. What, despite where you fall, there's going to be this migration based on the huge contrast in the um, philosophy of governments, of state governments. And so we've got to be aware of that. We've got to be aware of that as we invest. As you buy municipal bonds, you better be aware of that. You better be aware of how's the state going to fulfill its pension obligations if it's losing population. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be losing lots of population, but you can lose 2% of the population, and that can make up 40% of the income. Very interesting and uh, always fascinating to watch those trends. It's also interesting to me, Joel, to watch you know when the census data comes out and they reapportion the House of Representatives seats and you see what states lost seats and what seats gained or what states gained seats. You know, California loses one, New York loses one, Ohio, Pennsylvania all lose a seat. On the other side, you have North Carolina gains one, uh, Texas gains two. So it's just interesting to use that as a way to see how populations are shifting. But uh, the why is also important to understand too. Uh, let's open up the mailbag. Let's start with Cal who says, I have a pension fund from a previous job in a different state that's just been sitting there for years. I have the option to take a lump sum and invest the money myself. Should I do that or just leave it where it is and get a monthly pension whenever I turn 65? Well, you know, I wrote a book on this, uh, Cal, that was called The Lump Sum Pension Decision. Uh, lump sum pension option. What should you do? The seven things you need to know. So uh, one of the first things you should do is get a copy of that book. You know, give us a call when I give out the number again. Get a copy of that book and we'll sit down with you and walk through this particular decision with you. Uh, you have to look at a number of different things. You know, I like to use the words flexibility and control all the time. Um, you have more flexibility and control if you take that lump sum and roll it over. What you're giving up is you're giving up those guaranteed monthly payments, but what you're gaining is control over the investments of the assets, um, how you can take your income. You can change your income from month to month. You can take extra money out. There's a lot of things that you pick up that you don't get when you get a monthly pension. Uh, on the other hand, you get a monthly pension for life for you, and if you have a spouse or significant other, you can include that person. You get a guaranteed income for life. You get predictability. You can't outlive the income. It protects you from making poor investment decisions. So there's a there's this is a big decision, Cal. This is a big decision you've got to make. You've got to weigh the pros and cons. I would say most people that we deal with take that lump sum and roll it over, but that doesn't mean you should, Cal. And so great question, you know, give us a call at that 1-800-705-1232 number. Um, make sure you at least get a copy of my book, The Lump Sum Pension Decision, and um, we'll help you walk through this decision. Don't take it lightly, even if it's just a small amount of money compared to your overall situation. I was going to take another question from Angelina, but we'll have to get to her another show because we are up against the clock, Joel. So let's end on that point that you just made right there. And it could be that somebody has a lump sum pension decision that they need to make. It could be that somebody says, man, I would love to have a pension because that would take a lot of the guesswork out of it for me. Sure, I have money in my 401k. I've done pretty well in there, but I have no idea where to start. I would rather just have a pension. Well, uh, this is exactly the kind of person that needs to get that Money Map Retirement Review so that you can help them figure out how to turn that 401k into paychecks when they retire. Yeah, and that's a great point, John. You can buy a pension with your 401k money or even money that's not in a retirement plan. The difference is if you buy the pension yourself, you have a bunch of control over it. You can actually pass some money on and so on versus having a company 
have control over that pension. So again, flexibility and control. So if you have a pension decision to make, 401k decision, if you want to make sure that you're not going to outlive your money, give me a call now, 1-800-705-1232. You can also text your first and last name and we'll get back to you, 1-800-705-1232. Let's set up a time for you to get your complete financial review. We call it the money map and you want to know that you are going to be okay for the rest of your life from an income standpoint. You also want to know how much money you need to earn to be okay for the rest of your life on your investments. And those pension decisions, those 401k decisions, so critical right now with what we've talked about today. So call 1-800-705-1232. No time like the present to get that process started for yourself. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. Go ahead and call right now while it's on your mind. You can work out the details later in terms of when you'll actually come in for your visit and what you need to bring when you do come. Don't worry about any of that right now. For now, just call or text. Let us know that you'd like to have that conversation and we'll work out the details with you after that. 800-705-1232. Call or text 800-705-1232. Three, two. Thanks so much for tuning in to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom, and we'll talk with you again right here next week. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.